Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's Words of Wisdom. Now, if you have known me for five minutes, you know that I am not a fan of the early church father named Augustine. (laughs) He's the one who gave us the idea of original sin and his, or I'm sorry, original sin. We got to say it right. Sin. And his theology has led Christianity to a deep suspicion and loathing of our bodies, which Jesus calls our temple, by the way, and A Course in Miracles says is our communication link with God through the Holy Spirit and the only tool we have to bring love into the world. So body can't be all that bad. But even a blind squirrel eventually finds a nut, right? (laughs) So Augustine didn't get it all wrong. In his confessions, he writes one of the most beautiful lines that I think was ever written about God. It says... You have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. That means that we're not only created by God, but we are created for God as well. God did not create us to be separate entities, but to be one with God. And that is why this world often feels so strange and foreign and threatening. We feel restless here, like we should really be somewhere else. But the truth is, we are somewhere else. That somewhere else is home. We're just unconscious. Our home, though, is in God and eternal joy and peace and love. This means we have an inexorable pull toward God. The ego convinces us that the things of this world are what's going to bring us peace and love and joy. And they do for a minute or two. And then we're right back to on that treadmill of seek but do not find. And if you want to get off that treadmill, there's a way to do it. You give in. You surrender to that pull for God and allow the peace that passes understanding to overtake you. It's in you. It's just waiting to be recognized. (sighs) But we're so afraid. We're afraid of that peace because we're afraid that it will ask us to sacrifice something in this world. But instead, that peace is what leads us to living in the light of God. And it's what makes this world so much more beautiful when we realize that connection. And when that happens, all we know to say is, Oh, yeah. yeah. Hear these wise and holy words. From the Jesus story, John 6, 37 through 39. Everything that God gives me will come to me. And anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that God has given me. From A Course in Miracles, the CE version, chapter 5, you were eternally fixated on God and your creation, and the pull of this fixation is so strong that you will never overcome it. The reason is perfectly clear. The fixation is on a level which is so high that it cannot be surmounted. You are always being pulled back to your creator because you belong to him. Do you really believe that you can make a voice which can drown out his? 
Do you really believe you can devise a thought system which can separate you from his? Do you really believe that you can plan for your safety and joy better than he can? You need be neither careful nor careless. You need merely cast all your cares upon him because he careth for you. You are his care because he loves you. His voice reminds you always that all hope is yours because of his care. You cannot choose to escape his care because it is not his will. But you can choose to accept his care and use the infinite power of his care for all those he created by it. And from author and course teacher Marianne Williamson, God means love and will means thought. To ask that God's will be done is to ask that loving thought prevail. Think what it means to ask what God's will be done. It means that in a world where non-loving thought towards ourselves, each other, and even the earth itself is so rampant, you are directing the forces of the universe using the power of your thought to lift all things above the clutches of fear. I remember the exact moment that I broke up with God. I was 16 years old, and I had just learned the word for what I am. But oddly enough, my education came through an issue of Rolling Stone magazine, to which I subscribed throughout my teenage years, because, you know, I love music. In this issue was a story about women who were called something called lesbians. I had never felt so seen in my whole life as I was reading that article. Finally, whatever this feeling was that I had been having ever since I could remember, it had a name, and I didn't like that name, lesbian. I mean, it sounds like something you cure with like creams or shots or <laughs> something, lesbian. Over the years, I liked, I came to, to like the term dyke, because that just feels powerful, right? <laughs> you know, somebody calls me a dyke, I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> anyway, back to God. The moment, the moment that we broke up, was when I looked in the mirror and said to my own reflection, I am a lesbian. I, I didn't know the word dyke yet, so I had to use what I had. I am a lesbian. Something clicked. Something really clicked inside of me, and I knew at a deep level, at a deep level in that moment, I knew this was the end of my relationship with God. Because, you see, I was raised in a religion that rejected homosexuality and called it an abomination. You could not be a Christian, and a lesbian. It was impossible. God hated homosexuals. That was the thing that made Jesus puke. Well, I said to myself, if God hates me, then the least I can do is return the favor. And I lived just fine, just fine without God for a while until my first girlfriend came home with what it, the Atlanta version of what the Free Times is, and she was all excited. She's like, there's a church, there's a church in Atlanta for gay people. And she pressed this newspaper into my hands, and I read a little bit of the article, and I handed it back, and I said, that's nice, don't wake me on Sunday morning. I mean, God and I had been on the outs for at least the past five or six years, and things were going just fine, thank you very much. I was enjoying my lazy Sunday mornings. I had no plan to give them up. Nevertheless, 
She persisted. And finally, I went. Y'all, I stood in that church and I wept. It was the first time that I had heard someone from a pulpit say that God loved me as a dyke. I had learned that word by then. <laughs> because that's what God had created me to be. That morning, standing in the Metropolitan Community Church, it was a homecoming. I thought I had been content without God, but that moment revealed to me that deep inside was what A Course in Miracles calls a pull for God or an eternal fixation on the holy. You were eternally fixated on God at your creation, A Course says. That's powerful for someone just learning that they were also created as a Lesbian, dyke. You were eternally fixated on God in your creation. And the pull of this fixation is so strong that you will never overcome it. The reason is perfectly clear. The fixation is on a level which is so high that it cannot be surmounted. You are always being pulled back to your creator because you belong to God. That morning at the MCC started me on a journey to explore this eternal fixation, that pull of God. I had begun, I had begun deconstructing my Christian beliefs all those years ago, but I had to do it in earnest now. And that led me on a journey to all these other religions, mainly in the East, Buddhism, Hinduism, mysticism, metaphysics, Zen, Sufism, so many other spiritual side trips, anything I could just get my hands on, get my brain around. But here's the kicker. Every single path I took, it circled right back to this guy named Jesus. Everywhere I went, I heard echoes of his teachings. I was raised with Jesus as my guide, and I spent so many years searching for another guide. But I always ended up right back at Jesus. No wonder A Course in Miracles speaks to me so deeply. It's purportedly dictated by the guy. So if you think about it for a minute, I think you'll find it's true that everybody in this room, everybody out there listening or watching this morning, you've experienced that pull for God, this eternal fixation on the holy. If you didn't, you wouldn't be here this morning. You'd be sipping your coffee over the New York Times or a good book, like I used to do. That pull for God, it's real. It's strong. And to oppose it, of course, tells us is a delusion because we try to walk away from that pull. But that's a trick of the ego. How does the ego trick us? Well, it convinces us that only the things of the world are going to bring us ultimate peace or love or joy. And of course says that this delusion can manifest in our lives four different ways. And we tend to gravitate toward one of these delusions of possession strongest. We might have some of each, but one really has got us. The first yearning is to possess other people. This kind of possession is obsessed with the body, and it usually centers around sex. We want to possess someone through what we call love, but it becomes an obsession, which is a perversion 
of love. The second way we sublimate that yearn for God is by yearning to possess things. Often we're too afraid of what possessing another person might entail and the madness that it can induce, which makes up so many stories on murder TV shows, right? <laughs> I mean, we see it. You get obsessed. You get fixated. So we turn our desire from people toward possessing things. We think, well, this has got to be safer to sublimate that pull of God. Possessing things is harmless, right? Right? Agreed. It can be overwhelming. So much so that the accumulation of wealth becomes such, can become such a fixation that we see people not only ruin their lives to achieve it, but the lives of those around them. And I'm not going to name any names, but you're probably thinking of one guy in particular. Kind of greedy. The third yearning is to possess the spirit. Now, this is where religion gets perverted into something we think can possess us. But then it turns into a religion of violence or a religion of control or a religion of separation and hatred, forced conversions. This kind of possession is where cults get formed because we get sucked up into these spiritual situations that tempt us to use our spirituality selfishly in some way, perhaps even to conjure up wealth or power. And the fourth way we sublimate that call for God is a yearning for knowledge. And this is not the true knowledge that the holy offers us, but worldly knowledge. We desire to be seen as special or better than others because we know so much. We can go on jeopardy and just demolish the competition because we have all the facts and figures in our heads. The drop of a hat, we know it. We think knowledge can make us safe. We think knowledge can make us worthy in the world. So which of these four egoic possessions has you under its spell? I can tell you without a doubt that my search around the world for the right religious understanding had me in a couple of camps. I wanted to be possessed by spirit, but I also wanted to be possessed by knowledge. In fact, I still want both of those. But here's the difference. I'm no longer looking outside myself for either of them. That's the power we have, jubilance, to choose which world we're going to live in. If we think anything outside of ourselves, be it another person, a worldly bobble or gadget, a religion, or some expensive education, is going to satisfy your, ex your eternal fixation for God, we're wrong. As a Course says, do you really believe that you can make a voice which can drown out gods? Do you really believe you can devise a thought system which can separate you from gods? Do you really believe that you can plan for your safety and joy better than God can? And the short answer is, yeah, we do. Yes, we do. We do it individually and corporately. We are genuinely afraid of this pull for God because we think God is going to ask us to do something that we don't want to do, or to give up something in this world that we enjoy, that brings us pleasure. A course clearly tells us that God will never usurp our will, but that eventually, after we've tried all the millions of myriad ways that the ego guarantees us that we can satisfy all this desire out here and then discover that none of them do, we will all finally, finally, surrender our will to God's. 
And this isn't as scary as the ego might have us believe it would be. Author and teacher Marianne Williamson says clearly, God means love and will means thought. So to ask that God's will be done is to just ask that loving thought prevail. That's all we're doing. When we align our will with God's, we just ask that loving thought prevails. And if loving thought prevails, Williamson says, that means that in a world where non-loving thoughts toward ourselves and each other and even the earth itself is so rampant, you are directing the forces of the universe using your thought to lift all things above the clutches of fear. Now that jubilance is a kind of possession worth pursuing. One where you're so possessed by God's will, you're so possessed by nothing but loving thoughts that you have the power to lift all things above the clutches of fear. Your thoughts, possessed by God's will that love always prevails, can end the suffering of the world. So why are we not giving in to this pull for God? Why are we not leaping at the chance to live in this Extern this eternal fixation on the holy. Because we don't know what it means. We don't know what it means to live in the light of God. We've been sold all of these awful ideas about what God is or what God is supposed to be. We've been told that God is wrathful. We've been told that God is angry. We've been told that God is vengeful and jealous and will send us to an eternal punishment at the first whiff of disobedience. Oh yeah, and then they throw in, well, God is love. But, but that allegedly loving God is also capricious and unpredictable and exacting. God may love us, but God will not hesitate to send us to hell. Tough love, right? So many mixed messages. It's no wonder we look at the things of this world to possess us. We feel like at least with the things of the world, we can have some modicum of control. If we're possessive of people or things or spirituality or knowledge, this God thing, though, that could annihilate us or who we think we are. In our Jesus story, though, he says that's not true. We already have everything we will ever need to reach God, to align our will with the holies. Everything that God gives me will come to me, Jesus says, and anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of God who sent me. And this is the will of God who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that God has given me. And what that means, jubilance, is that the pull for God is all you will ever need. And your response to that pull is inevitable. Because eventually, you're going to get tired of the ego's seek but do not find game. Of course, says the highest thing an ego can ever say is, there has got to be a better way. And when you say that, then like the prodigal son, you begin your journey home. And like the prodigal, you will be celebrated by God. And you'll realize that God has already given you everything because peace and love and joy are always ours to claim in every moment. Herein lies the difference between what the ego offers as substitutes for God and what God offers us 
in reality with a capital R, and that is care. The things of this world are fleeting jubilance, and they don't care about you. They are indifferent to you. Whether you get all the money or all the power or whatever, the things don't care. Money doesn't care about you. Power doesn't care about you. Fame doesn't care about you. Things don't care about you. And they may bring you a bout of happiness, but nothing outside of ourselves will ever bring lasting peace or love or joy. To get that, you've got to go to the one world that you can that you can actually live in, and that's the one inside. And we have to realize in here, we're already living in the light of a loving God. You need be neither careful nor careless, a course says. You need merely cast all your cares upon God because God cares for you. You are his care because God loves you. His voice reminds you always that all hope is yours because of his care. You cannot choose to escape his care because that is not his will. But you can choose to accept his care and use the infinite power of his care for all of those he created by it. This is what it means to do God's will, jubilance. To live in the light of God is to cast our cares upon God and allow the infinite power of that care to end not just our personal suffering, but to be used as an extension and end the suffering of the whole world. So how do we do that? Well, the ego says you've got to make a choice. Give up this world of enticements and pleasure in favor of some woo-woo peace and love idea. Go on, do it. Go ahead. You'll be back. I got the good stuff. You'll be back. Like a drug dealer. I mean, really, the ego, we're addicted to it. But in the, in the beginning, we do try to make that choice. We try to stop being possessive of things in the world or people or items, spiritual practices, knowledge. We try, we try to choose to be good people, spiritual people even. But if it's a choice made from the ego, we're going to be right back where we started. We're going to be right at the ego's door going, give me another hit. What do I follow now? What A Course invites us to do instead is not making some egoic choice, but God invites us to yield, to just yield to that power of love within us. In chapter 14, A Course assures us that attack will always yield to love if it is brought to love, not hidden from it. Our worldly replacements for the pull of God, they are attacks upon God, attacks upon our true nature. And so we have to gently bring them to love where they will yield, they will give way. We need not overcome our egoic nature to want to possess and be possessed by worldly things. We just allow God's love to heal those desires and place us squarely within God's care where the peace that passes all understanding arises within us because that's where it is. So which egoic possessions are you continuing to pursue in your own lives, jubilance? A possession of people, things, spirituality, knowledge? None of these worldly gods, none of them, none of them care about you at all. The only one who cares is God. 
And there is only one God whose light we desire with every fiber of our spirit to live in. It's not a choice. It's not a choice to make. It's just an internal yielding to allow God to take God's rightful place. We lose nothing in this yielding except our grasping and searching for peace where it cannot be found. Instead, we find that everything God gives us is already within us, and it will come to us when we yield to God's love and care. And in that moment, when that peace that passes all understanding comes and it stays with us, all we'll know to say in that moment is, Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week, and until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, Oh yeah. Yeah.